This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, again, I am about to lay out something, and it is uh, the foundation of this teaching. It is just laying the foundation. A lot of things I won't get into, but this foundation must be dealt with. And it must, and it's very important for us as members of Church of the Living Water to really grab a hold of this truth. This morning I'm going to set the groundwork for this upcoming messages and the new year. And we're going to start by looking and teaching out of the book of Philippians. Now, I don't really want you to go there right now. I'm just letting you know that's what we're about to deal with. We're going to because with the foundation, we're not going to really dove into it like we're going to when we really start stacking on it and building on it. So right now, I just want you to go to the book of Acts and rest there. So this morning, I'd like for you to concentrate on two words. Because again, I'm laying a foundation. I want you to concentrate on two words. And those two words are focus and undistracted. I want you to focus on those. I want you to concentrate on focus and undistracted. Say that with me. Focused and undistracted. These two things are the most difficult things for the believer to do. It's difficult for them to go through their Christian walk and through their Christian calling and their Christian endeavors focused and undistracted. And we've dealt with that over the past few weeks. And that's why I'm bringing it right back up because God said bring it right back up. Focus and undistracted. Now, we know Christmas has passed. But before Christmas came, God spoke to us months in advance. Things that, that he told us something else was coming in. Weeks and weeks and weeks. He told us that a couple of years ago. And when it first started, when the pandemic first started. And every week it was something different. Something happening. Something, and still something. See, see, things are happening week by week. Day by day. Month by month. But this thing that's going to happen is going to be big. But we have to learn to be focused and be undistracted. And I'm telling you, what I, it, that is a very hard and a realistic thing that Christians seem to have a problem with. Amen. And I have them in the right order. Focused and undistracted. Now, before we get off into the subject matter, too deeply, I want to uh, put a theological setting on the book of Philippians. Because this is very important for Church of the Living Water. It's very important for us to learn and understand about the church at Philippi. So I want to put a, a theological setting to this book so that you can be grounded in this as we move forward in the new year. Talking about a little background. The book of Philippians was written to the church 
of Philippi. The church of Philippi is a church that's located in the Macedonia region at this time. It was a church that Paul proclaimed. I like what Paul proclaimed. Paul proclaimed the church of the uh, of Philippi that it was his joy and his crown. This particular church has great significance for us. Did you hear me? This particular church. Now we know there's many churches. There's the the Ephesus church. There's Thessalonica. There's many churches, but this particular church has a significance for us. Because our founding pastor and myself as now pastor want to make our church a replica of the church of Philippi. And that's what we have been doing over the years. That is what our founding pastor laid the foundation for, is to replicate the church at Philippi. And, how, and I remember when Pastor Hill, as a young man, was called to, to the gospel, and he obeyed it without full understanding of what God was telling him to do. Because God gives you what you need to know on a need-to-know basis. He had to answer the call. So he, under, he obeyed without full understanding. Now, I am old. He was a young man. He had a lot of things that, that he had to do because he was laying a foundation. But I'm old and I'm purposing to obey without full understanding. Did you hear me? But, but I do understand, I'm, not, I'm, I'm operating out of full understanding, but I do understand my part, as did our founding pastor. He understood his part. And he, un- he also understood that he had a part. And I fully understand that, that I have a part. And all of our, fo- uh, our founding uh, pastor's foundational teachings in establishing us, he was always trying to get us to adopt this attitude of the church of Philippi. He would always push us toward the things of God. He would always do it. He was getting us rooted and grounded, settled and established and getting rooted into the things of God. Now, the three overriding things that uh, I looked at in studying and looking over the church of Philippi is that they had these three things that God said, you, all, you must have in common. They loved God. They hated sin. And they loved to give. Did you hear me? The three overriding things that the church of Philippi is that they loved God, hated sin, and they loved to give. The church loved, this church loved God, and it was evident on how they responded to what God asked them to do. See, you can always tell when a church loves God is how they respond to what God asked them to do. That's how you know. I'm not talking about a bunch of talk of what you're doing. How you respond. They hated sin and they loved to give. When you find a church, any church, and that's why we this is so significant for us. When you find a church, any church, that have those three things present, Love God, hate sin, love to give. You're talking about love, love, love. 
Love in those three categories. And one thing we know about love is that it never fails. And if you find a church that can get themselves focused and undistracted and operated out of those three things, love will always be there. So in all these years in ministry, our founding pastor and I, we have and are constantly, we have in the past and right now, constantly trying to get us to walk in these things. That's why the teaching that goes forth is constantly to get you to walk in these things. I want you to get this because the closer, listen, the closer you get to God, the further you are away from sin. Did you hear me? The closer you get to God, the further you are from sin. And the further you are from the, the further you get from God, the closer you get to sin and ultimately failure. So we push you to get closer and closer to God. And I believe in my heart that when you stay close to God, it compels you to give. It compels you to give. Because love compels us to give. So when we say that we love someone or something, listen, we, you can see it. The overriding attribute of the thing that we love is that we want to give to them. I love them. I want to do something for them. I want to do something to them. You know, anything you love, you just want to do something for them. Uh, we, and you have an overpowering desire to give. And that, and that which is love. Follow me. You think of people that you love. The first thing you want to do is give to them. And, and when I say give to them, don't just let your mind run to money. I mean, you just want to give to them. You want to give counsel to them. You want to give, you know, you want to just give to them because you love them. You want to make an investment in them. People who love you make an investment into you. Did you hear me? People that love you, they make an investment in you. God has no choice but to give Jesus to die at the cross because God is love. And love compels giving. And God gave Jesus. Why? Because he was compelled by his love. He had he did it first to show us how it all works. I'm compelled to give. I had to give my only begotten son. Why? Because I love even the unlovely. What a good God. What an amazing God. The Bible says that the God so loved the world that that, that God was so compelled by his love of the for the world that he gave. His only begotten Son. And so because of that, we know God cannot give up on us. Because God is love, and love never fails. So He'll never give up on us. Even with our foolishness, He'll never give up on us. And God is not going to fail, because there's no failure in Him. And His plan is to keep us from from failing. He's trying to... He's given us every situation, every circumstance, every situation that we talk about. He gives us answers to so we won't fail. You have to actually just ignore all of what he's telling you to fail.
And I love that he loves us in spite of us. No matter how nasty we get, God continue to love us. While we were yet in sin, God continued to love us. And so now God wants to raise a church and a congregation of people that's able to love the unloving, to love the unlovely, to love the unlovable. He said, I want you to be that church. God wants us to love beyond the actions of another. That means I don't care what they do, I'm still going to love them. God said, you can get that way because you're going to find out as you begin to read over Philippians, this church had it going on like that. And it's not impossible to do. God, I said we have to love beyond the actions of another. So that way we have to learn to hate sin for that, for that matter. If we're going to do this, we have to learn to hate sin. We must, learn, we must be able to distinguish the sin from the sinner. If you're going to love, you're going to have to distinguish the difference between the, the distinction between the sin and the sinner. We attack the sin, but love the sinner at all times. We attack the sin, but love the sinner. And our love for the sinner is what will cause the sinner to change. Not attacking, attacking the sinner. We just attack the sin. We got to love the sinner. We must. And this is what the church at Philippi was able to do. Now grab this. Now, uh, uh, just, uh, I did research on this and I was studying it out and just read. I was just doing a lot of reading in Philippians. And I'm like, my God. And then when you do research on it, it's like, oh, my God. You know, I didn't even know all this was here. But grab this. In looking at and studying over and going through the church of uh, Philippians, this was a non-Shemitic church. And by that, by that I mean this was a church of color. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me get everything straight first for everybody. Now, when I say this was a non-traumatic church, I mean that it was a church of color. I don't mean it was a bunch of black Americans there. I'm saying that this was a non-traumatic church. And, and, and when I was looking at that and I started researching it and looking it up, I'm like, oh, all of this is important. You don't see it now. I'm just laying a foundation. Now, this was a church of color in the town of Philippi. Of the whole, the whole uh, Macedonia region. That's where this was taking place there. That was a Roman uh, uh, colony there. But this particular area of the church was a church of people of color. Now, when God called Pastor Hill to start this church... And to mold this after this church, we didn't know that. He didn't know that. It wasn't important that he knew it at the time. He had to obey what God was calling him to do. Amen. He didn't know that the, that the Philippians church at Philippi was a church of color. You find these things out, and when you're going to find them out when you do your research. And every year I learn more and more about this church of the Philippians. Because God said, now go back and look at it. 
And then a lot of times he don't tell me to study it. He said, just read. Just read. Just read it. And you go and read it and you'd be like, okay, okay, I'm, 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 I'm understanding it a little better. But this particular church was amazing. And just, just reading about it, it was amazing. So then the second thing that we would like to look at about the church, this church is let's look at the purpose in which Paul had for writing this church. This is called the Epistles to the Philippians. The Epistles to the Philippians. It is a letter that Paul wrote. See, I'm teaching this morning because I want you to get some. I'm setting you up for the new year. I want you to get it. I'm not re- but, you know, interested in you shouting and jumping. I want you to get something. This is a letter that Paul wrote to this particular church. It is the church that Paul founded there in Macedonia. Interesting, one of the interesting things about this church, of all the churches that Paul founded, of all the churches that he wrote, wrote back to, this is the interesting. When he wrote to them, he was always would point out things that they weren't keeping. He did with the Corinthian church. You know, he would, he would, he would always point out the sin that was going on, the weaknesses of the church. If the church of Ephesus had gotten all mixed up into pagan, they start mixing, mixing pagan, uh, paganism with Christianity. The Corinthians, they would, remember, they were using the gifts, but they was, they didn't have, they were morally incorrect. They were just being selfish with all the gifts. They were doing all kinds of things. And Paul kept addressing all of them. You know, I mean, the, 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 he, they understood Corinth was a, was a terrible little church. And Paul always addressed it. There was a lot of sin there, and he was addressing it. They were abusing rituals there. They were just doing all kinds of things. They had little respect for the oracles of God because they were just doing their own things. And a lot of churches in America today are doing the same thing. Little respect for the things of the oracles of God. They do their own thing. They, because, you know, now churches have evolved into a business. That is called disrespect for the oracles of God. Are you following me? And so we found out, I mean, I found out that, that they had a great love for the gifts in the, in the church at Corinth. They loved all the, the gifts of the Spirit because they're real. They loved it, but they were horrible in their, I mean, they, they were just horrible in their moral way, the way they carried it out in church and how they, they were, had big heads about it and did, just start doing everything opposite. You know, when men get a hold of anything of God, once man put his hands on it and mark on it and you don't know God, it goes all, it goes south. Amen. And so, God, uh, so Paul would be busy writing letters, straightening out things in the church. But every one of the churches, Ephesus, Thessalonica, all of them, Everyone he wrote letters to, he straightened them out for trouble except the Philippian church. He wrote a letter to the Philippian church, but it was not to straighten them out of something they were doing. This particular church at the church of Philippi had no disorder in it. Did you hear me? It had no disorder in it. This church was going about doing what God had called it to do. 
Paul did not mention one thing in the four chapters of the book of Philippians that they were doing wrong. There were no false doctrines being taught in the Philippian church. In other words, there was good interpretation of the gospel there. The doctrine was the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a clear doctrine. It was nothing about what they were doing that Paul needed to chastise them for. Amazing. All of the other churches he had to address things that was going on. This is going on. That's going on. We have people sleeping around. He had to address. But not the Philippian church. Not only that, there was no major disturbances in this church. Hmm. Even among members. Now, wait, now listen. There was no major disturbances in this church. Now, you know all churches have a little under grumblings here and there. But when the doctrine is sound, there's no major disturbances in the church. Did you hear me? Now, note note this. There will always be one or two or three people that will be used by the devil. And that's in any church. And I'm sure in the church of Philippi it was. But it was so minute at this church of Philippi that Paul didn't even address it. I like that. He didn't even address it. So I'm adopting that habit too. When there's little undergrumblings and little deal, don't even address it. It's not even where it's so minute. See, I don't want anything happening in COLW that it has the magnitude that I need to address. That's what we have all these other people for. You bring that stuff down. It don't even need to, it don't even need to come. Why? It has, it needs to be minute. Why? Because we're walking in the fullness of His Word. There should be nothing big and major. Are you following me? See, when little things come up, I've learned through my founding pastor, that you overcome evil with good and keep it moving. I'll just overcome evil with good and keep it moving. Keep on rolling. Listen, there's always going to be a group of people that the enemy will use. And this is how he uses them. He has to gather, he has to find someone that can gather weak-minded people. See, these are things we have to know and understand. We're going into 2022. And this, when you know these things, you'll already... These are little minute things, though. He'll he'll use someone that's going to find some weak-minded people. And then he'll have those weak-minded people to come against the leadership and authority... Anything that's successful that God is doing, the enemy will come in. Now, I'm going to tell you this. The enemy, he is absolutely convinced by my steadfastness that, you know, and, and, and being head of the church, 
He's, he's convinced about that. The, derv, the devil is thinking to himself, I first have to get her. He knows that. So the, so the devil is absolutely convinced that there's no way from without to get into church, so I got to do it from within. So he had so he has to find somebody he can use. Don't be the one that he uses. He's gonna find one. See, and in a church outside, it's easy to find some weak minded people. He just gotta find one with a mouthpiece. To find the weak minded. Are you find are you following me? Now the problem is, his trick is to make those who come in contact with whatever the disturbance is that they start whispering about and talking about and doing that, is to make the weak-minded believe that it's a big church-wide mess. But now you see, they see, see, that's making it a big way. See, it's really a minute thing. But the enemy know I got to get the person. And the person has, they can never go to a strong person. They must go to the weak-minded. And, and convince them everything is wrong about that. Everything is wrong about where you're being taught. Where you're being uh, ministered to. And it's always, it's always going to be, God is told, it's always going to be with leadership. So look at your neighbor and say, stay focused and stay undistracted. Un stay focused and undistracted. See, the thing for you to do to stay un uh, focused and undistracted is you have to stay spiritual. See, it's when you get carnal, you get off focus. I'm talking to people that are spiritual. You have to stay focused and undistracted. That's all you have to do. Now, let me tell you why I believe that God has moved upon me to teach this. To share with you what he's taught me out of just reading. This church had no disorders. This church had no false doctrines. This church had no major disturbances. Now the purpose for Paul writing this church uh, to the church of Philippi was for them to just stay that way. That's what he was writing about. Stay focused. Stay undistracted just like you are. Stay steadfast. Stay unmovable. And that's what God is telling us. In 2022, stay steadfast, unmovable. Don't let nothing get you all focused. Even when we come back, who does come and who don't come, you have to stay focused and undistracted and move forward. Are you with me? Let me break it down to you, for you. What he was really trying to get this church to do was really telling them, don't lose what you have. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. Don't lose what you have. Build upon it. Now that's growth. Don't lose what you have. Don't lose what you have getting caught up 
with weak-minded people. Don't get, don't lose what you have because somebody did or didn't come back or whatever. You must stay focused. That build on what you already have. That's called growth. Another weakness in the body of Christ suffering is this. Is that oftentimes God gives us something just like he's doing this morning. And when he gives us something new, we get so engrossed with the new that we forget the old. And you can't forget the old. See, if, if, if another minister get up and teach is on something which is going to connect knowledge, you still can't forget what you heard last week or the week before. Because you get something new, you don't throw the old away. You build on it. You build on it. Don't, and I'm telling you, it's so prevalent in believers. Once they get something new, they forget about all the old. They forget about what was said last week. They forget about what was said three months ago. That's what God is saying we can't do. And then when you do that and you forget about the 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 old, you lose the old, then the next thing that happens, you're being attacked from every side. And you don't know what's going on. And God has already strengthened you because, we, you know, when you lose the old and, and you got the new, and see, now you're trying to build on it, but you left the old out. All of that has to go together. It has. It, what did I tell you all? I've been telling you ever since we've been streaming. This is a teaching ministry, line upon line. It, everything is going to connect. You cannot take a piece out, or you'll have gaps in your knowledge. You gotta place that on top of what you just learned. See, you have to take this and you have to stack it on top of complacency. You can't just say, okay, that one was good, but okay, then let's go on to this one. No, you got to put it all together. This is how they stayed focused and undistracted. You don't never have to say, oh, I don't know how to study at home. What do I study? What do you mean? How do you not know what to study when we're in a teaching ministry? With every, all the teachers we have, you have plenty to study. You got plenty to stack up for growth. Say, oh, I can put that together. That's why when you hear one minister and minister, another minister, they say, I like what so-and-so said. Because it attaches and connects to that one. Anyway, remember what so-and-so said. It attaches. All of it goes together. It'll keep you focused and undistracted. But if you take something that one of them said that was new, and you now you done threw away what was last said two weeks ago, you're in trouble. Well, you can't walk in that. There's no growth because you can't put it all together. And then you see someone come along that's putting it all together. You'd be like, how are, they, how are they so amazing with that? And how does that go? Well, it's because they're putting it all together where you're throwing away, losing the old for the new. A new deal. New, it was a new word today. Mm -mm. Don't lose what you built upon. You have to build upon it. Build upon it. 
One of the things that have to be careful in a, this is the, you have to be ever so careful in a church like ours. And when I say a church like ours, I'm talking a Bible believing, Bible teaching church, is that every teacher that get up before you will constantly teaching you because it's a teaching ministry. So you have to be ever so careful. Every time you stream, or you come to church, now that we're going to be back in in-person uh, service, every time you come in to church, whoever is behind that pulpit, they are teaching you. And they're teaching you something of spiritual value. But what we do is we have, you know, we have to be careful. This, Listen. Because everybody's teaching some spiritual value. What we have to be ever so careful for of in a teaching ministry is that we're not ever learning but never coming into the knowledge of the truth. We learn so much. But are you coming into the knowledge of the truth? See, that's where you have to be very careful. I don't want to be ever learning but never coming into the knowledge of the truth. Now, ever learning is one thing. But when you come, listen, that's one thing, ever learning. That's one thing, and it's really a good thing because you're ever learning. But listen, but when you come into the knowledge of the truth, change comes on the inside. See, that takes you to another level. Ever learning, but when you come into the knowledge of the truth, oh yeah, you're changing on the inside. You're changing. Now, see, we may be one of the most learned churches in America, and I believe that. But guess what? But it does not mean that we be the most powerful church in terms of the gospel. You know why? We have to first stop learning, ever learning, but never come into the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, we get all the knowledge, but is that all we're doing is ever learning, but never come into the knowledge of the truth? So that so so yeah, we will be knowledgeable, but we won't be powerful. We'll be knowledgeable, why? Because we have a learning. But when you you you're not the change is gonna come when you could go beyond just ever learning, but coming into the knowledge of the truth, stepping into wisdom. Then the power is there. Another definition of knowledge means to establish a relationship with. Have you established a relationship with that that you learned? Have you established a relationship? Not just learning. See, if you just learn it, it's just ever learning. When you establish a relationship, you're coming into the knowledge of it. That makes the difference. I hope you're getting this. So we understand that, you know... Uh, uh, to establish a relationship, we have to establish a personal relationship with what we know. We have to, have to establish. You, it, until it becomes a personal relationship with what you know, what you have learned. In other words, this is not just information that I'm getting. Just to say I know something. See, that's just ever learning. Just to so, show somebody you heard something, you know something. Not just information where I can say, look what I know. I want to get in a conversation with somebody so I can show them what I know. But you'll take this information. This is how you know that you're moving from ever learning and coming to the knowledge of the truth. You take that information and you take it as a looking glass. 
and you look at it and allow it to illuminate you. Did you hear me? You take that information not to just say, I know this, I know, but you take it as a looking glass to illuminate you and what you can do in your life. That it can become wisdom to you. We got to stop ever learning. We got to get to the knowledge of truth where it become wisdom to us. Wisdom means I'm walking in this. In other words, with the information that I've learned, Father, show me me. Show me me. Not the information to show me my husband, my wife, my children. Father, I want the information to show me me. Father, I want the information to show me my pastor. Don't listen. You need the information to show you you. You need to tell God, I want the information, Lord, so that I can see me. That I can go from ever learning, but I can go into the knowledge of the truth. About this this word that you're giving me. This just what I'm teaching this morning. I want to see me. Now that's coming into the knowledge of truth. I want to see me. Information. What do you want me to know, God, with this information? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to believe? What do you want me to become with this information that you've given me? Instead of just saying, I got it, I know it. But what do you want what what do you want me to be in this? He'll show you, but you gotta ask. That's making the information a looking glass at you. And now I go from just learning and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So what Paul was saying to the church of Philippi, this is a great little church when he was writing them. Just, you just go read four chapters in Philippians. Just go and read what, uh, what he was telling the church. You're a great little church. You got it all cranked up now. But what I want to make sure is that you're coming into the knowledge of the truth and that you, that you can call it spiritual growth. He's saying, stay, stay focused. You're, you're a great church. I don't even have nothing to call and complain about. Whatever little, whatever little, little bitty fires that go on in your church, nobody even hear about them. That's how minute they are. I don't even have to address them. But I need you all to make sure that you're growing and going on. Because I want you to keep what you have. Because you're in a great position to grow and develop. This is what I want Church of the Living Water to be. This is what we need to be. This is what we need to purpose to do. See, I'm not impressed, and you shouldn't be impressed with people that just know Scriptures. Anybody can know Scriptures. Be impressed with their spiritual growth. That's what I look at. I don't look at people talking about what they want to do and what they're doing. I'm looking at your spiritual growth, and it will be seen in your life. It will be seen. It's evident. Well, let me tell you, spiritual growth is evident in the content of your character. Not in what you say. In the content of your character. 
So, we have to understand that Philippians is to show us it's in the content of your character. In other words, how I'm conducting myself on a day-to-day basis. How do you conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis? How do you conduct yourself when no one is around? And is it consistent? Are you consistent in your walk? In other words, when you find me, I should be doing the same thing. And day by day by day, week by week, the same thing. See, it's my prayer that you don't ever have to worry. This is my prayer. And this is my prayer daily, that you don't ever have to worry about what I'm doing, what I'm doing, doing the week. I want you to know whatever, whenever I get up here, I want you to be assured that I can expound on the word of God. Because she's been in studies. That you're confident in that. She's been before the Lord. She's prepared See, that's my prayer. You don't have to worry about that. Every time I get up here, I'm going to be prepared. That you can depend on. And when you come to church on Sunday, I'm prepared to teach. And you can depend on it. You know, there's people out there right now, today, People that you know, people that you've been witnessing to, people that you've been telling about the church, people that you say to yourself, if I can only get them to that church, I know they'll get saved. If they would only come to that church, their life would change. If they only come to that church, I know they love the Lord, but I know how much they can grow and develop. But supposing you get them here, And I come, and I'm not prepared. That would be good. So I always have to be prepared. They always have to be prepared. Amen? I have to have a deeper. I want them to have a deeper relationship with God. So I must be prepared. So I'll never want you to think, oh God, I'm getting them here. I hope pastor's prepared. Now, you believe that you have witnessed, and the basis of your strong witness is that you've been in this church, and you you know what, what goes on here, and you believe that they can get saved. But you have to have that confidence that your pastor is always prepared. Did you hear me? I must prepare fresh bread that you can build upon what you had the last time. I have to. So there's ever a building block. It's always building, building, building. And that's what I require of the ministers. A building, but I've got to constantly be building. But not only that, I have to live my life in such a way that God has spoken to me about. 
every area of my life. Because let me tell you something. And and ministers should know this. I know this. And you should know this. And let me tell you. That's why not only just being prepared, studying, but you have to live the life that God has called you to. You got to live what you're preaching. Listen, if it go, if, if my life, if it would go off into a wrong, a wrong area of my life, I don't care how sincere I am. I can be as sincere as I want to be. God is not going to open up these scriptures to me if I'm all somewhere else. Because, you know, this thing don't come by osmosis. Uh-uh. uh-uh. You, you got to study. You got to get in it. So it's not gonna. It's not like oh, all of a sudden I can just get up here. No, I suppose this way he's not gonna do it. But God just doesn't open up His scriptures to anyone. Not open them up, and He don't open them up to you because you're the pastor. You got to be living a certain way, according to what you preach. So, you have to have a relationship, and I have to have that knowledge. I have to have a relationship with the knowledge that I have. I have to have a relationship with that knowledge. You know, I'm, I live. In, you know, I can't just live for myself. That's all. That's 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 just just off the table. I got to be teaching and striving to live the best. To my ability to live this word. When I fall, I got to get back up and get this. When my thought pattern is not matching this, I got to bring it to that. If I want God to keep opening up the scriptures to me, then I got to bring it to that. It doesn't mean that it's all, oh, I'm just living a perfect life. No, I got to battle every day to keep it right there. Why? Because first of all, I want to please God and I don't want to be known as a hypocrite. Are you with me? So that, and, and you know, when you, when you do that, it allows God to continue to share with you His Word. He, he will start sharing with you His kept mysteries that nobody can figure out. His hidden mysteries of his word he'll share those with you but that's fine with me but guess what that same thing must go to the people in the pew it's the same thing you cannot be sitting in the uh, the pew and not be a believer and walk like that you got to strive to walk that way in such a manner that God will share information with you And he'll just share information with you so that you can change the environment. Well, I don't live in your environment, in your house, in your surroundings. God said, but if you live your life, not only the woman of God or the man of God uh, or the ministers or the deacons, just pew, just plain pew people. I want to talk to you about your own personal environment. 
It's the same old situation. We got to get outside of ourselves. We cannot be ever learning and never coming into the knowledge of the truth. So the background of the Philippians is that they were focused. And they were undistracted. And God said, make a replica of Church of the Living Water. Of people that are focused and undistracted. Now, now that we looked at the little background of the church, we see why Paul began to write this particular church. Let's see if we can discover how he came about founding this church. Because he was the founder of this church. He's the founder of this church. And let's look at the book of Acts. Acts. Now, Philippians, we, we may or may not get to it, but are you in Acts? Go to Acts chapter 16. And this is the apostle Luke is the writer. And he has John joined Paul and Timotheus. So he refers to we. But you're going to find that it's going to change because he's going to join to him. He starts out with, you know, with, with they, in, and he started out with we, and then he's going to end up, well, he started out with them, or they, and then he's going to end up with we, because he's going to join them. So he joined them there at the place where he joined them, here in, in the, in, in, um, Philippian, again, in the Macedonia uh, uh, region. You've got to understand, all of that, all of that's going to be an important part that you understand. Now, where Luke joined up with Paul, actually, Luke and Timotheus was left there. And when Paul got out of prison and was released from jail, then they stayed and ministered there, right where they were. And Paul continued his journey over to the church of Thessalonica. And see, when it, it, now that's amazing. See, that's a person on point. Paul gets out of jail and then continues his journey to go minister. He leaves them there to just just minister right there at Philip at, at the uh, Philippi, and he's like, because he founded the church. It didn't like he was like got out of jail. Oh, let me go back to the church. And, no, he went on to Thessalonica, and they stayed there. Amazing. And Paul continued his journey. Now watch this in verse uh, chapter sixteen, verse six. Now I'm going to uh, watch closely. Now when they had gone, they had gone to Phygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Hmm. Let's let's say that again. Now when they had gone throughout. Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, that almost sounds paradoxical. Why? Because it said that the Holy Ghost stopped them from preaching the word. Didn't it just say that? That the Holy Ghost stopped them from preaching the word. And I'm going to stop here. Because I think the Lord want to say something here. Always remember this. And please write it down. Because when God was giving me this. I said I'll say it Lord. Write it down. 
And we're going to see how it runs with this. We are not led by the need when it comes to preaching the gospel. We are led by the Spirit. Listen, we, when we're preaching the gospel, we are not led by the need. We are led by the Spirit. You know, sometimes you hear people say, you know, over there they need the Word. I'm just going to go on and give them the Word. Ah, no. That's a, oops, oh, no. Don't be led by the need. We ought to be led by the Spirit. See, we, we just think, well, there's a need there. Let's go. But we have to be led by the Spirit. Because here, the Holy Ghost said, no. Asia needed the gospel. They needed the gospel. And the Holy Ghost said, no, no teaching the word there. You know, people tell me different things about their families, or they tell me different things, and they want me to talk to them, or they want me to do something like that. But I can't, listen, I can't go where there's a, just a need, where there's needs are. I have to be led by the Spirit. Let me tell you, plenty of people, are, even when Pastor Hill was, plenty of people would, would, would write and ask if I would come and speak somewhere. And I said, I don't even have a word for them. Even though they might have had a need. But you have to be led by the Spirit. Not the need. Because once you start following the need, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up what God is doing. And every need doesn't mean that God have you to supply it. Did you hear me? There may be other troops on their way there. And God have, made, God have allowed the need to stay there for a reason. For His own particular purpose. And He doesn't send you into that need. It's not for you. I don't care how bad it looks. See, we think the bad it looks, I gotta get over there. God said, no. If the Spirit of God doesn't lead you there, then you can't go. And this is the thing. God will never lead you on emotions. Never. That's our problem. God will never lead you based on emotions. One of the most dangerous things to any congregation can be the inability to identify emotions. More people are led by their emotions. Now I'm going to stay on this because it's true. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in, woo, woo. But most, most people are led by the, listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with emotions. I'm saying they're being led by them. God's never going to lead you by emotions. Never. Did you hear me? It's a dangerous thing. The way you get to the weak-minded person, the first trick is through emotions. That's how they get it. Well, you know, the, uh, the emotions. And then you get caught up with it. 
No, this is this and that and that. I got to get you into the emotions. Hope you're getting this. And one of the first tricks of the devil is to come transformed in an angel of light. And to suck the weak-minded person into something emotional. Emotional situation. And look, emotional situation that looks highly spiritual. Highly spiritual looking. Listen, work up the flesh. Get the flesh all involved. Hmm. And then say, look, see, here's the need. And then you strayed away by that need rather than being led by the Spirit. If I followed every need, we wouldn't even have a church. If pastor, if, if our founding pastor followed every need, you wouldn't have a church. You have to be led by the Spirit. Success is not in following the need. Get this, it's going to be very important. It's very important to your personal life. You need to put you need to put this in activation in your home because it doesn't matter. It's the same thing across the board. God's not leading you to move with a bunch of emotions. You got to get that under wraps. Success is not following a need. Success is following the spirit of God. And who said anyway that when you get to the need that you're able to take care of it? Who said that, you know, you can do anything about it anyway? Well, let me get let me get over that. Let me Well, wait. Are you emotionally going over there or is God leading you over there? Cuz if God didn't lead you over there, who told you 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 you're going to be able to handle it? Listen. For every need, there is someone anointed by God to take care of that need. And it may not be you. For every need. Did you hear me? There is someone anointed by God to take care of that need. But it may not be you. See, many people assume authority that they, they, that they have some type of authority that they are deigned to handle. Hmm. That's a very dangerous thing. Assuming authority that you don't have. Or things that you have not been ordained to handle. That is, you know what I call that? The sin of presumption. Well, okay, wait, I can handle this. Why? Because you know the Lord, God might have somebody else handling that that know the Lord, not you. Now, that will cause a major disorder in a church. When you try to have some authority that you don't have, you're not ordained to. That's a church that's being led by emotions. And if it's anything that I've learned from my founding pastor is never be led by your emotions. I could be emotional and he would allow me to be, but he was always, he was always the, the, the thing to bring everything back into balance. And so I learned that over 43 years.
and I've adopted it as my own. Not to be led by emotions. He was like, women, I'll let you, you're allowed to have emotion. But see, but, but th- that was when I had a husband. So he let me have my emotions. But when you take on another role and God has placed you to another position, some things have to be peeled away. And you let them go away. Now I'm certain that Paul was on his way to Asia. Listen, because the gospel needed to be preached in Asia. He was on his way there. And he saw that they had a need. And that's what every Christian does. I just see they have a need. You know what, if you see something and you respond to need, that's fine. But make sure, make sure that you are listening to God, that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because God just may stop you. If you're not sensitive to the Spirit, you'll walk right over it. You're about to, you're doing something or something and God will say, stop. And you have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. But if you're not sensitive, you'll just drown the voice of God out. I think it's always this apropos, just to, before I do anything, let me make sure no emotions is involved in this. God, I don't want to move too fast. I mean, because I think all of us have moved too fast before. And then we'd be like, you know what, if I just would have, if I just would have, yeah. If you just would have asked God and just slowed down. And then some would even say, you know, God, something told me. It wasn't something. You're a believer. Something told me not to do it. I started, I, I just knew it. But what, who, what, how do you think he's talking? Like he's doing this morning. It's the same thing. That's the way he speaks. He's going to do it through man. Are you with me? Be sensitive. But if our emotions are way up here, see, we can get emotionally charged. Whenever your emotion is way up here, you cannot hear the Holy Spirit. That's why when you see people just going on, on, and off and off, you want them to calm down before you start ministering to them because they can't hear the Holy Spirit in that emotional high state. I mean, they're way up there, like, oh, oh no, you can't hear the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and I mean, have you ever been, you know, emotional about somebody or somebody have really done something that really just kind of ticked you off, you know, and you say to yourself, when they come, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to go off. I'm, I'm really not. And they walk in the house and you be like, where you been? You know, you, you're trying to hold it in. But that emotional clicks in, and before you know it, the old you is right back. You said you was going to become, you'd be like, they say that, no, you lied, what? Then there you go. You're back there. The emotions kicked in, and you just fly right into it. We don't want to be that. Because the moment you, you, they start, the minute they start coming in, you start calm, but you don't end that way. You don't end that way in just a few minutes. It doesn't take long because your emotions is already up there. And then you begin to do what you swore you was not going to do. 
emotions. Now, what has happened in this particular area when you do that? Is not a you know you know it's not a general statement about you know spirituality because spirituality is going out the window once emotions kicked in. Did you hear me? It goes out the window. Spirituality it just it it just goes out the window. But when you do something like what I just described, it it simply means my emotions out of control and the flesh is stronger than the inner man. That's all that means. My flesh is stronger than my inner man. If I can't control it, if I can't keep it under, if I can't, if I can't say, no, this is not going to be, I'm going to become, it just simply means my flesh is stronger than my inner man. One of the biggest problems in the church today. And I believe this in my whole heart, that a lot of the problems in the church today where preachers in the pulpit, most of them got, a lot of them got in there on emotional experience. Not a calling, just an emotional experience. I know God has called me because, uh, ooh, I had bumps all over me and I, yeah, emotional experience. Oh, no, 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 no. That's that's a big problem in the church. We won't have that here. Amen. Now, notice that they were forbidden. It said that they were forbidden. God stopped them. He stopped Paul from preaching in Asia because God wanted the gospel to turn west. See, that's why you be led by the Spirit, not by the need. Look at verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they... they, they are saved to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. You can't go there either. See, you, 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 see you're just picking and choosing. Where, where they have a need, surely God won't be there. Surely God, no, He didn't let them go there either. Look at verse 8. And they passing by, Messiah came down to Troyes. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. Mm. Verse 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Here's the the key. Assuredly gathering that the Lord hath called us for to preach the gospel unto them. We was assured that God told us to go there. We were trying to go to Asia. We were trying to go to the other place. We were trying to go everywhere. But assuredly, God had called us there. See, that's the, that's the important thing. Is not where it is a need. It's where God calls you to do. Because when God calls you to go there, then something's going to happen. When you just went, mm-mm. You're going to try to force something to happen. And that's not going to work. A lot of our miscallings is because where God called us to go, listen, and that's, and some of you out there, where God is calling you to go, even to this church, you don't want to. You know why? Because there's no glamour in it. And a lot of times, that's that, where God will call people to go somewhere, mm, I don't want. I want to go where, boom. There's no glamour in it. 
God is speaking to your heart today. Notice, no, and, and, and it is very important, and I, I've noticed whenever I try to teach on the spiritual gift, God backed me off. I think a couple of times I tried to teach on the spiritual gift, God backed me off. But notice this about people when it comes to the spiritual gifts. In the spiritual gift, you can always find, you ask somebody what's their gift, mine is the gift of healing. Mine is the gift, of, oh, I, what is your gift? I'm, oh, I have the gift of prophecy. What is your gift? Oh, oh, I'm the gift. I'm a teacher. Well, because why? Because in the gift of healing, you look like a hero. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, well, I laid hands on Sister Jones and she recovered. You're a hero. Prophecy, I can be seen. My gift is teacher. I can, I can be seen. Well, what about the gift of service? Well, I don't know. Maybe that's for... Let me find that for somewhere. Because, see, service is something that's unseen. That's when you go to the hospital and the person is too sick in the bed to even know you're there. But you're servicing them. But you don't want that. I want the one that I can be seen or I can be known. I can be, you know, some people can drool over me or think I'm somebody important. Hmm. And service is the most important gift. Oh, not service. Nobody will see me doing anything. Well, yeah, that's, that's just like too much like Jesus, right? I'm going to tell you something about myself. And, and I want you to tell, I want to tell you the success of my personal ministry. I'm not talking about this church and pastoring this church. I'm talking about my personal ministry because I have a personal ministry besides this church, my own personal uh, ministry. Again, I'm not talking about the church and me being the pastor of this church. One thing about me, I don't care where I am and who I'm with, I'm always the same. And I always will be. It doesn't matter. I don't change. Whoever I'm with. And, and people can tell you, if they're with me, we're going to talk, let me tell you, we laugh and joke about a lot of things, but we're going to get into the Word. I'm going to be the same way I am all the time. And people trust that. Because they can depend on you as you know, she's going to always be the same way. Whatever God calls you to do, no matter how unglamorous it looks. Because sometimes you have to do some things that are unglamorous, that nobody knows about. But don't you worry, he'll make your enemies your footstool in public. You just do what you need to do. He'll make men respect you if you don't change. I've seen it in my life. He'll make men respect you if you don't change. Back to the book of Philippians. We have a lot, you know, we've looked at the back, we've looked at the background, we've looked at the purpose, and we see how this church was founded. Paul went over to Macedonia.
Now, when we get over into the fourth chapter, we're going to look at some of the benefits obeying God. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dig deep into that right now because I, I really just want you to understand these little nuggets that I'm giving you. There's benefits in obeying God. There was a tremendous benefit that arrived, that, that arrived, it, I mean, it was, it arrived to Paul all, all the time. Because he obeyed God as a result of just obeying God. God not following the need, but following the Spirit. Paul was blessed by that. Not following the need, but following the Spirit. When people say, you know, you know, well, you know everybody say that I should not follow the need, but I, I should be led by the Spirit. Yes. Are you led there? Or you just say, well, of course they got a need, we, I, we need to go. But are you led there? That's a need, but is it, did God tell you to go there? That's a very strong point to remember. Are you led there? And I'm talking about administration, but this, this goes across the board in your life. Are you led there? Strong point to remember. You know what it'll do? It'll keep you from getting involved into situations, even in your own families. Things that you get into that you're not anointed to handle. Because you wasn't led there. You know how you said, you know, I told them the same thing they did this because you weren't led there. You went. They're never going to receive anything if God didn't lead you, didn't lead them there to you. You trying to fix a need, and God said, "Nope, I want you, nope. That's not what I want you to do." You'd be like, "God, how are you making me go west when everybody down here needs God?" Say because you're being led by the Spirit. How are you going to question God? He already knows, and there's more than just you. You feel like you the one have to do it. You don't be led by the Spirit. See, sometimes we see these needs in our families, and we get involved in these needs. And if we would just leave them alone, God has ordained someone to take care of them. I know, I know. You're like, huh? What? Well, you know? Uh, yeah, but no. Don't don't argue with God. God has somebody to take care, uh, that's ordained to take care of your husband, your wife, your children, your relatives. Just let God be God. It's not going to always be you. I know they always want it to be you, but it's not always you. God be like, now I didn't lead you to do that. And you know, you have to be very careful when you have grandchildren. I have to always, I have to always check myself, because you know you you looking past the rusties, and all you doing is thinking of the children, but you still have to be led there as well, because you're not the parent. I don't care. I, you know what? I'm not my children, my my grandchildren's parent, no matter what. I'm the grandparent, and God said, stay right there, stay right there. Because then you're gonna get, you you get into area that you're not ordained to be in. That I have someone else there to get that done, to get it done. But you think it's gonna come through you? More than likely, it won't. 
Be okay with that. And then you know what? You have to get outside of your grandkids. You'll be like, well, you know. And because we can talk ourselves into, well, it's for the grandchildren. We, I mean, we've all done it. If it wasn't for the grandchildren, I wouldn't even look your way. God said, well, then act like the grandchildren don't exist for a minute. Let me talk to you over here. Because you're not being led. You're not being led. You have to learn to be led. Not with just the need. Because we think, well, I ain't going to let them go without God. Say, hey, Pastor Hill could tell somebody, anybody in the church, now, do I love your children more than you? If I take care of your children, then I love them more than you. See, all of that. You, you got to go straight across the board. If you want to be in God's perfect way, if you want things done right, if you want the growth and development of not only you, but your family, we're not ordained to fix everything in our family. We have to learn to step back and say, wait, God, am I just trying to fulfill a need, fix a need, or did you ordain me to go there? Did you call me to go there? Are you leading me there? God said, what were you doing before you heard about it? Oh, I was just going my way because I didn't know. God said, well, act like you don't know. At least you'll be in my will. Because I've already ordained somebody else to get them where they need to be. We don't always see it that way. But see, we're growing and developing. See, we're growing and developing. See, because I'll do anything for my grandchildren and God is in their way. Now hold up. We got we, we to gotta learn this. See, this is what Philippi had. They understood how to grow and develop and be led by the Spirit of God. We can do this, church. We can, we can do this. Let's look at the strength of the church of Philippi. The strength is wrapped up in the subject, focus, and undistracted. That's what their strength was. That's what this church was. They, they couldn't be distracted. You couldn't distract this church. They were focused. And you know, Paul left the church for a long time. And when he came back there, and he came back there about three times, and they, they, when they kept Paul with, they kept Paul and the gospel in their hearts when he was gone. They kept it there. They didn't, see, they didn't get something new and forget the old. They kept it. And you know what? It kept them focused. They kept the love of Paul and all he taught them. They kept it. They hung on to it. They kept hold of it. And it kept them from being distracted. For a few minutes, let me talk about the chief tactics of the devil or the snare of the fowler. The first thing the devil's going to do to get you off focus is distract. That means that he's going to cause us to lose focus. He's got, that's the first thing he's going to do. He said, I got to, I got to do, get, you, get you distracted because that's going to get you off focus. That's a tactic. 
example, if you're driving with someone and y'all just talking in the car or something, and all of a sudden they make a loud scream like, oh, I want to take, and you, you just hit your brakes and just kind of scream the car, and it, it's not that you have red. They just wanted to tell you something. But it distracted you just enough for you to hit your brakes or to curve the car. But it was just that little distraction. You were just riding along talking, but they just got excited about something and it threw you off. A distraction. It might be something unrelated to whatever it is, but it's a distraction. That's his tactic. If I want to get God's people off focus, I got to distract them first. Are you with me? I got to get them to lose focus. And that's the first thing that the the devil does to the weak-minded. Please, please remember, don't let the devil use you. Because this is what you have to understand. Because there's something that the devil, me, you, and God have in common. Because God made it that way. We have something in common. We all are spirits. We all have that in common. God is a spirit. The devil is a spirit. And we're spirits. We all have that in common. And all of us have the same handicap in that commonality. We all have the same... uh, We all have the same handicap. And God made the handicap that way. None of us can operate in the earth realm without a natural body. That's our handicap. God couldn't. That's why he said Jesus. The devil can't. He needs a body. And we can't. That's why when we leave our body, it got to go back to dirt. You, you, you can't operate over here without a body. God couldn't, so he spoke Jesus into existence. Put Jesus into the world. And he came into the world in a human body. Whenever he wanted to get something done, he said, I will put my spirit in you so I can operate. Because I need a body. That's why he gave us the spirit. He said, because I have to have a body to operate in. Remember, Jesus said, where he is, is where I am. Where I am is where the Father is. He said, I don't do the work. He does the work in me. Because he needs the body. That's important. Nothing can operate in this natural realm without a body. Did you hear me? Nothing can operate in the natural realm but that which is natural. So, in essence... The devil cannot do anything in the natural realm without a body. That's why you don't give him yours. That's why you don't give him your mouth. That's why you don't give him your hands. That's Because he's got to operate through a body. The word said give no place to the devil. That means don't give him your body. Then he can't use you. He can't use you until you give it to him. Can't give him place. 
The Bible says resist him and he can't come in. He's going to try. But the word says submit to God. And resist the devil and he will flee. Because he knows I need a body. But if you resist with God, i got to go on to find somebody else. Doesn't that seem so simple? Why don't we do that? So the only way that the devil can get anything done in the earth is through a human agent. The only way that God can get anything done in the earth is through a human agent. The only way that our spirit can get anything done is through a human agent that we all have in common. We have to have a body. This earthen vessel that we have, and we have a treasure in it, but the key to this whole thing is that we, the human spirit, the man, we have all authority because God gave it to us. He gave it to us. And there's gifts and callings of God that He's given us to operate in this body. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God can never take it back. So the authority of the, of the earth is in the hands of man. Now we know when Adam and Eve did in the garden, we know that they sinned. Listen, but know this, they sinned in the garden, but man never ever lost his authority. Mm-mm. He couldn't. When Adam sinned in the garden, he, man never lost his authority. I know you thought that he lost his, his authority. No, he didn't. He never, it has never been lost. Just stay with me. And you know, one time early in my walk, I used to think the same thing. Matter of fact, I was taught that. But God opened it up. He said, well, how? And you see, God will walk you through His Word to show you. He does not open it up. He's like, let me show you so you can explain it right. I'm not just telling you that so you can tell them and they can say, oh, yeah, well, okay. No, no, no. Listen. Adam lost his authority when he sinned in the garden. That's not true. If that was true, if he lost his authority when he was in the garden, if that was true, Jesus could not have come out, carried out his mission because he would have to have the authority as a human to do it. And if the authority was given away, how could Jesus operate in that? I'm going to tell you what was, what, what was lost, but it wasn't authority. I'll say it again so you, so you can get it. If Adam had lost authority, Jesus could not have carried out his mission. Because he would have to have some authority as a human to carry out the, the, his mission. That's why he had to have a body. Ugh. And if that was true, listen then the Romans would be, it, it would be true because of the gifts. In Romans it said that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 
Right? Romans tells us that. So, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Authority was a gift. In order for us to lose it, or to take, been taken away, then that means that God couldn't give it. Because once God give it, He said, it's without repentance. No matter what happens, it's yours. He's like, well, what was? Something was lost, Pastor. I know something was. Yes, something was lost. But it wasn't authority. Are you with me? Are you with me? So we never lost authority. What we did, listen, we lost the power to exercise that authority. That's what we lost. We could no longer exercise that authority. That's why Jesus said when he rose from the dead, he made a trip back down here to tell us something specific. He said, listen, now that this is done, he said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. In other words, I have taken the power back that you lost. And what I'm going to do with this power, I'm going to put it in my name and give it back to you. Ooh. Let's see, that's the time to shout. There it is. He said, all power. He didn't say it until after he came back. He said, now all power has been given unto me. Now you can go back and exercise that. You didn't exercise. I had to come so you could have the right to exercise it. The power, I mean, the, ex- the authority was there, but you couldn't exercise it because you needed a Savior. But now that the Savior has come, all power has been given unto me. He said, I'm going to put it all in my name, and then I'm going to give it to you. And then he said, now you go out and you exercise that power. So the power has never been lost. It couldn't be lost. Or we'd have to do away with Romans. Jesus could not have done what he'd done. God is not going against his word. Because if that was the case, he didn't have to put Jesus in the body. Jesus had to follow all the rules of the body. Oh, I hope you all are getting this. I jump for joy. Just in finding it out. And just just saying, Father, it's just, I mean, I knew it, but just reading it and studying it and, and then researching it, it just becomes, it's like alive. His word is alive. It just, it does something to you. It makes you just say, what? Just say that again, God. Just let me, let me just read that again. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now, Jesus made a special trip back to the earth to tell us that. This was after he had rose. He came back. He said, it's been given unto me. And I've taken that power and I'm going to do, put that power in my name and give it unto you. <laughs> Make a note of this. Authority, which is what we have, is the right to act. And power is the strength to act. <laughs> I said... Authority is the right to act. But power is the strength to act. So we might have the right to act, but if you don't have the strength behind the authority, how can you? If you don't have the strength behind the authority. Example. Example. Give us an example, Pastor. Okay. Let's just take, 
let, let's just say you were driving in your car and you're coming up on a, uh, uh, coming up, uh, just driving and all of a sudden the police stops and put his hands up and say, stop. You stop. Why? Because he has authority. He has authority to do that. And what, I don't care who, I don't care what we doing. If he, he don't have to have no red light, who has to, he just can put his hand up in that uniform and say, stop. And we stop. And guess what? He got the power and the strength behind it on his hip. Simplicity. The power is the strength to do it. The authority is the right. See, he has a right as an officer to do it, but he can back it up with the power. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I'm trying to say to you that if God raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus said, I'm restoring back the power and your authority. So if you don't give place to the devil, then the devil cannot distract us unless we permit him to. He said, you no longer have to worry about that. The only way he can distract you, you let him. You don't have to do it anymore. Because why? Because you have power behind that authority that you have. You can resist him and you can, you can, hey, you can just, you, you can just totally annihilate him. You have the authority and the power. All of the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. This is what it says in Colossians. And you and I are complete in him. In him. That means that we finish. We are rounded off. We are complete in Jesus. Everybody say, I'm complete in Him. See, you're complete in Him. I, I thought you were going to talk about Philippians. I am. I am. I know you don't get it, but you're growing. Grow with me. Yeah, I'm talking about Philippians. I'm showing you what we are going to be. We're, 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 going, we're going to model ourselves after that. We're going to do that. And then this is what the second thing the devil wants to do. After he does that, the devil wants to distract and he causes us to lose focus. Then the second trick is to discredit. He's going to do it. He's going to discredit. What he wants to do is to cause you to doubt your direction. Doubt God. Doubt authority. He wants you to doubt. First he gets you distracted. His major weapon is to get you distracted. It's to get you emotional. That will distract you every time, every time. That's why before you do anything, let all the emotions die down. Let all the emotions die down. Before you do anything, say, wait. And you'll find out after you do that and you let it go and you'll be like, no, you know what, I'm going to give it a day. I'm going to let it down. And you see everything clearer. You'll be like, you know what? I'm glad I just stopped for a minute instead of just jumping into it. So he wants to cause us to doubt. Doubt direction. Ooh, doubt spiritual authority. Any authority. Once he gets you emotional and up in that emotional high, he starts to discredit. Listen, that which you've been relying on. That which you've been following. That's why he'll try to discredit your pastor. He'll discredit your church. 
It discredits. That, that, that's his tactics. We should know his tactics. Know your enemy. He's going to try to do it. So that's why when somebody puts something in your ear, say, now wait a minute. You put that in my ear, so you're suggesting that I'm weak-minded. And now I see what you're doing because you're trying to distract me. You're trying to get me to doubt those that are in authority, spiritual authority, any kind of authority. You, you, no. That's a tactic of the enemy. Let, let me tell you, the person is just using them. You know what you need to tell them? Get thee behind me, Satan, just like Jesus told them. Look, get thee behind me. Look, you don't have nothing in me. I'm not listening to any of that. See, for me, I've learned, I'm not even really disgusted in the person that talks about me. I'm dis- I, I look at the person that listens to it. Because I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I know what they about. But then if you listen to it, that tells me more than I need to know about you. I, I'm like, I, I could care less. I'm like, who listened to that? Who was affected by that? Who believed that? Because you're going to always have, the enemy's going to always, but I want to know who, who would listen to that. Very important. Did you hear me? And he wants to stop that which you're following. <laughs> He's like, I've got to get you to stop following that. Now, don't be dumb. God said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Look, if someone feeds you corrupt communication, how can that be of God? God is never going to call you to do something at the expense of tearing down someone else, what someone else is doing. They're calling me to do that, so let me tear down what they're doing because I'm doing this and they're doing that. Now, I, you know what? I don't want to tear down any church, but I'm going to speak truth. But, I, but I, you know, I, I don't have to tear you down. Listen, know this about me. See, I, I, little things that I, I, I know people probably say, well, I don't need to know all that. I just need to know about Jesus. I know, but, but since I'm the pastor, just a different thing. This is maybe not for all of you, just for people that belong here at Church of the Living Water. Things that you should know about me. I'm never really concerned. Listen to me closely. I'm never really concerned about what somebody else is doing. Because if they're doing it, it is of God, it's going to succeed. So why should I worry about it? Did you hear me? If it's of God, it's going to succeed, no matter what I think. So why should I think about it? And if it's not of God, guess what? It's going to fail. So why should I care? Know that about me. And then you'll know many things. I'm never all caught up in what somebody else is doing. Because if it's of God, it's going to succeed. So, and, so I can't stop it. And if it's not, it's going to fail. So why should I care? And this is something I, I, I want to say, and I'm going to close with this, but I, I want to say this. Listen. Because, the, but, and, and you know, I'm saying this out of the sincerity of my heart because I'm never happy for people to come join churches because they are disgruntled at another church. That's not good. I don't want to build a church on a bunch of disgruntled people. 
But listen to me closely. God will never ever call you to join this church or any church because something is wrong at your old church. If he calls you to this church, he calls you to come to this church because he wants you here. Not because you left the church mad. Or because you get disgruntled about it. Now, if God wants you here, then you're here. But whatever you see that was wrong in your church, God might have wanted you to stay there to fix it. And you're like, but I don't, mm mm mm. And see, God is never going to tell you, well, yeah, you need to leave that church. They, that pastor's not filled with the Holy Ghost and they're stealing over there and they doing it. You need to get out of it. God's never going to talk. God doesn't talk like that. God doesn't talk like that. Now, if God said, you know what? I, I, I'm going to need you to go over to that church because I'm, I'm going to need you to grow and develop for what I've called you to do. And, I, and this church is going to need this there and I need you in place to get that done there. That's totally different. But that's how he's going to talk. I'm calling you there for growth and development but for that ministry. But he's never going to call you out to be disgruntled. I'm never happy to hear somebody say I left the church because. I don't want to hear it. Because if I have a church full of just disgruntled people that came from churches that was disgruntled, what am I going to have? Just a big disgruntled church. That's not what I need. That, and, and not in this time in life. And not in this time. It's too many things, other things we have to do. But if you said, you know what, I left on good terms, but it was time for me to go. God has shown me. I have, I have been streaming. I've been listening. And, it's, you know, I need to grow and develop. And that's all I'm going to. And I'm letting my pastor know that I'm just going. It doesn't have nothing to do with that. It's just God is calling me there because of where they're, they're headed and for what I've been doing. That's totally different. That's not leaving disgruntled. That's not saying they left, I left because of, mm-mm. Oh, no. If God say, I want you at a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and Church of Living Water is where I want you to be, then we want you here. But if you are disgruntled and mad at your pastor, or you, or somebody did something at church that you just didn't like, or you didn't, you know what, sit there. You'll be just fine. Sit there. Maybe God, if, and if something is going wrong, maybe God will have you to help fix it. But don't leave angry. Don't leave. And please, if you come here, I don't want to know about anything disgruntled. If you say God, all I need to know is you say God sent you here to learn, grow, and develop because it's a teaching ministry. And we take you in and we love you and we just grow and we'll make sure that you get that. But I don't want to say, I don't want to hear anything about, I need to talk to you, the reason why I left that church, and this is going on over there. I don't, I, I don't care what's going on at any other church. That's not my business. I pastor this church, and this is my only concern. And, so, and, and then if you come, I want you to be helped. I want you to grow and develop. I don't want all of that. Because once you come here, you will see yourself. And see, you don't really have to tell me anything. And see, and if you did, and you never tell me, you just say, well, I'm just coming to grow and develop, and you never tell me, well, that's even better, because God is just going to teach. And you'll say, you, you never have to say, 
Well, I told them that. That's why they're teaching on it. You never told me nothing. But I'm saying that because, let me tell you, I'm never happy when somebody's joining the church because they left another church. Disgruntled. No. That's not, God, that's not God's way. And let me tell you, we're not desperate enough for this, you know, we just need more people here. No. Let me tell you, if I left, left today and went home to be the Lord, I'm satisfied with the people that I love here and the people that I teach here. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, 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 don't, I don't have to have all of the glamour and all of the deal. I just have to have people that love God and people that want to be prepared to meet their maker. That's what we're about here. And if you feel like that's what you want to be about, and yes, we are serious about the Word. And yes, we are teachers of the Word. And this what we taught today, this, is, this, was, this wasn't even the, not even, this is just laid foundation. This hadn't even started. We didn't even get into Philippians. But I'm just saying, it's very significant for us. And I know where God has taken us in the new year, so it's very important that we know these things. So I want you to hold on to them. Now, you may not see, you may or may not see me again until January 2nd, and it'll be here. It'll be, it'll be here. And uh, uh, I, I know, you know, we have New Year's coming up and everything, and I may or may not be there. But you, you will see me May January 2nd for sure. For sure. God has plans, and uh, he's got a word. And I'm, and I'm excited about it. And that's, I'm, that's what I'm most excited about, is where God is taking us and what, what we're doing. That's why we're going to stay focused and undistracted. It doesn't matter. And I'm telling you all, you all that belong to the ministry, it doesn't matter. We've been gone two years. Things won't look the same. Some people we may have lost. Some people we may have gained. Whatever it is, don't be, don't be distracted either way it goes. You just stay focused on the things of God and say, okay, God, where are we going? Because I'm ready to go. Just be ready to go. And we're going to teach the Word. We're going to live the Word. We're going to operate according to the things of God. And we're just going to let just live day by day and live to the glory of God. And whatever happens, let me tell you, we're going to be safe and dry. We're going to be safe and dry. That's what, listen, and I'm not letting any of you all die before, let me tell you, you haven't done nothing to die and go. You think you're gonna die and just go to heaven and, and give it on a robe and do, no, uh uh-uh. You need to, you need to be here. I ain't gonna let you die. You know what, uh uh uh. I'ma decree this. Yo, you're gonna live just to do some work because you ain't done nothing, you ain't done nothing to die. Uh uh-uh. uh. You need to come on, you need to get, I need to get you where you need to where you can do some work before you meet the master. You haven't done anything. And I mean, we singing all the death song when I want to put on the robe. What for? You don't, you, yeah, you don't put on the robe. You need to work. You need to work for the kingdom of God. And so I'm not letting nobody, you, you're not dying. You're not dying. You got work to do. So just make sure you come so you can be blessed and so you can grow and you can develop and we can move forward. So look at your, look at your neighbor and say, I ain't dying. Yeah, I ain't, no, I, I'm keeping you here. Because you, you, you don't deserve to die. You ain't done nothing. You got to do something. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's true. You have to do something. So, I mean, we, we, we got rewards in heaven. Do something. You be like, oh, Lord, yeah, yeah. So it's time to get busy. Amen. Stand to your feet.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.